Greetings, this is Chris Peppel, and you're listening to my Look to See Me podcast. I hope you're all having a wonderful week. When I am recording this, this is the week after I celebrated Thanksgiving with my two amazing children, and the weather's getting cold. It's starting to feel like fall here. So it's a, a time of change going on. It's a time of changing seasons, changing holidays. We're going into the December holidays now. So I wanted to read one of my short stories that is in my newest book, Because I Love, that came out this year. It's a collection of uh, an essay that I wrote about understanding what love is and poetry, litanies, affirming litanies, and short stories. One of those short stories, and I'm going to talk about why I chose it today, but it's called The Chairs. So I'm going to read that and then have a short discussion. The chairs will be what I remember from that day. I know I made my way through a maze of hallways and ascended to the next floor by way of an outdated elevator. Along the way, the coldness of the marble floors reminded me of the mausoleum I had visited as a child. My grandmother's sister had passed away, a great aunt I had never met. She had moved from the farmlands that the rest of the family had owned and passed down for generations. We felt alive walking among the dairy cows and the soybean fields that had long replaced cotton. But Beatrice felt dead and confined there. She left at 20 to find her wings and never came back. My grandmother and her other surviving siblings were most disappointed in her choice for a final resting place. She had made it clear in her last wishes that she wanted to remain in Maryland, where her heart had been most of her life. She had purchased a single crypt in a garden mausoleum near the house she had purchased years earlier. She spent her years there writing about the people she had studied as an anthropologist, a career that brought her much joy and many travels. I was wearing the bracelet she sent me from Central America when I thought of her that day. I remembered feeling claustrophobic as I peered into the mausoleum with my grandmother and my great aunts and uncles as they paid their last respects to their sister. I had to rest on a bench nearby. I felt that claustrophobia return as the heels of my shoes click loudly on this cold floor. I tightly clutched the papers in my hand as I made my way to the second floor courtroom alone. I avoided looking around to see who was near. I didn't want to know if I knew anyone. If I did, I knew they weren't there to support me. No one could believe the father of my children could be as dangerous as I said he could be. I found a wooden chair away from others waiting to be called. It was darkly stained wood with curved armrests that seemed to hug me as I sat down. It wobbled a bit and creaked loudly when I tried to scoot it out of the rays of the sun coming through the window. I decided to leave it where it was rather than draw attention to me in my resting place. Others were sharing benches with family members or with their lawyers. I opened my purse and stared at the handwritten note I had been given 15 years earlier. I love you. It was from my grandmother. I knew she would have come with me if she had still been alive. Ma'am, I heard a voice call to me as I could sense someone walking closer. Is your last name Ryland? If so, your case has been called, the bailiff announced as he motioned me into the courtroom. I straightened my skirt and ran my fingers through my hair 
as if either would change my looks or ease my anxiety. I suddenly looked up and saw him. Austin was chatting with his lawyer and smiling. His confidence filled the hallway that I had to walk across to get into the room. I took a deep breath and remembered the words of my counselor. You can do this. You are stronger than you know. It's not the outcome that's important. What matters is that you have found the courage to tell the truth. The truth. What is truth? Is truth what actually happened and was said? Is truth only what people believe happened? Is truth different from the reality that exists in his mind only? People tell me what they see and what they call truth. He's such a nice guy. Do you know he planned the entire fundraiser for the cancer wing renovation at the Children's Hospital? Do you know he graduated from an Ivy League school? Had a 3.87 GPA. He has been on the board at church for years. They would never have met their budget goals without him. Some call him a financial genius. And all of that is truth. But truth is bigger than the patchwork pieces we quilt together from the fabrics we admire. Truth is also the discarded material we toss aside. It's in the scraps we don't even see falling to the floor. It's in the broken threads and misshaped squares that never make it into the final piece that we display at the county fair. Now, I had picked up the leftovers and brought them into court to stitch them onto a quilt of our lives together. The quilt others thought was wonderful. I left my seat that had protected me so well and made my way into the courtroom. It was so much smaller than I had imagined. The television versions are so much roomier and seem so alive with action. This room had two small wooden rows of seats behind a railing. Two tables with two chairs each were between the railing and the judge's bench. I was guided to a table on the left-hand side of the room where I laid out all of my notes. I had just sat down when I heard the call. All rise. The Honorable Judge Wagner is entering the courtroom. I'm not sure what all, of, what all was said after that. There were instructions handed out and questions asked. I kept my hand on the arm of the chair every time I was asked to stand. It seemed to be my only ally in the room. The wooden arm had smooth places near the end where anxious people had rubbed their thumbs back and forth over the surface as they had faced similar days as mine. I thought of my grandfather's rocking chair that had similar warm places. He had worried about how to feed a family when times got hard. He had also worried about how to keep the city he watched over safe from the uncertainties ahead. My grandmother took over his spot in that chair when he died in a car accident when he was only 57. Her worries deepened the warm places on the arms of that chair. Now when I am home, I rock in that same chair and bring my worries with me. There have been chairs that cradled me as I cried and chairs that heard the laughter shared with friends. If I'm honest, I try not to think about some of the chairs that are gone from my life. The seats around tables that were taken away because of judgments, misunderstandings, or stumbles along the way. I'm most thankful for the grace chairs, the chairs that still welcome me around the table along with all of my fears, my quirks, and my stumbles along the journey. I think of all of us that conquer some form of darkness, who walk through pain so terrifying that we feel as if we can never survive. I have found that people who journeyed before me were bench builders. They left resting places along the way, built by their courage, 
their encouragement, and their determination to survive. These resting places hold a certain light that guides us to them in our moments of deepest need. I hope I am a bench builder as well. Maybe my words will give someone some comfort. I hope I have chairs in my home that can keep holding me when I cry. I also hope I have chairs that welcome the strangers, hear the laughter, hold the hope, and bring a feeling of belonging to all who come around my table. The day was over. I stood from my seat and made my way out of the courtroom. The darkness would try to follow me home, but I had chairs waiting for me along the way. I'm walking out remembering the chairs. That story is very special to me because I do remember so many chairs in my lifetime. I actually do have my grandparents' rocking chair, and there really are smooth places where both my grandfather and my grandmother rub their thumbs when times were stressed. It's been a tough week in this country. There have been several mass shootings. There has been a lot of hurt. There has been people who have had to bury loved ones, friends who have had to bury loved ones, people who had to witness violence. A lot of us have realized that a lot of hate in this country is still directed to the LGBTQ plus community. That became evident around one of the shootings and some of the posts that people made and some people who are not gonna stand up for the rights of the LGBTQ plus community, who don't necessarily agree with the violence, but they're also not doing anything to end the hate to end the misunderstanding, to bridge the gap and bring love and hope. So there's a lot of times where a lot of us are saying, now is the time I have to fight. Just like in the story where the woman uh, is married to an abusive person and has to take a stand, has to say this has to stop. The lies that he's telling about how wonderful he is are not the same as what I face at home. Domestic violence is certainly something that we need to take a stand. And I applaud anyone who is finding the courage to find a way out, to solve the problems, to show up at court, to uh, stand with the victims, to become survivors and thrive again. The LGBTQ community is another group that we are having to take a stand for now. All of us who are part of the community, who are allies or uh, parents. It's time to say this has got to stop. So part of the ways that people are taking a stand is voting. We've got to vote. We've got to stand up. We have got to put people in power who are going to stop the hate. There's no politician who's ever going to agree with every single thing that I agree with. That's just not such a thing. I'm going to disagree with somebody on finances, how to build out the budget, how to run the school systems. You know, what about manufacturing? What about budgeting for the military? There's so many aspects that we're never going to totally agree on. And we're just going to have to find ways to work through that together. But I will never vote for a politician who does not believe that equal rights in this country belong to everyone. The equality in marriage, 
the equality and being safe to be able to go to a dance club and not have someone direct their hate at you in such a way that causes extreme violence. That is how I choose currently who I'm voting for. They have to respect women and respect the LGBTQ plus community and do no harm to either group. So voting is one way. Educating others about who I vote for. Uh, speaking to people. Trying to be an educator on what it means to be non-binary, what it means to be transgender, what it means to use people's pronouns correctly. Uh, how can we build safe spaces? How can we work towards equality? Have those tough conversations. Show up at Pride. Show up at candlelight vigils. You know, post on social media sites, record podcasts. Take a stand and do the right thing, even when it comes at a personal cost to us. That's one of the things that chairs makes me think about sometimes. I mentioned in there the chairs we lose. When we take a stand, we are going to lose some chairs. Somebody is going to say, you're not welcome in my house anymore. You can't sit at my table anymore. You're not welcome in my church anymore. You're not welcome in my restaurant. We're going to lose those chairs. But hopefully the rest of us are bench builders, chair builders. Hopefully that we are not only taking on the fight to bring change, to take a stand, to say this hate stops now. This violence in this country stops now. This inequality stops now. We're standing up for anyone who stands up for Black Lives Matter. Black people in this country have long deserved our stand to say this, this violence has got to stop. Racism has got to stop. The LGBTQ plus community has got to hear us say equality now. The violence, the hate, the discrimination has got to stop. So we're finding this courage just as the woman in the, the story found the courage to get a court and say, I'm going to tell the truth about this person that I'm married to. I'm not just going to get a divorce and slip away. I'm going to bring out the truth. I am going to say, here's who this person really is, knowing that if she doesn't do that, this person will have the power to be abusive to others in the future. So she's taking the courage to stand, but she also appreciates the chairs because here's what we have to remember. We have to take moments of self-care when we are facing any huge challenge. It doesn't matter what the challenge is. We all may be facing different challenges. Maybe you are uh, fighting for more research in a field that you're passionate about because it Maybe it's a, a medical field. Maybe it's cancer because cancer touched your life or the life of someone in your family. Maybe you're writing your congresspeople uh, to, about the book banning issues and to stop all this crazy book banning that's going on. Whatever you're taking a stand for, domestic violence, cancer research, uh, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ plus equality, we also have to take moments of self-care. 
we need those chairs. We need a place to sit for a moment, catch our breath, heal ourselves, refocus, make sure that we're strong enough to go forward. Make sure that we're just surrounded by love and peace and joy for a moment. That's why we all need to be chair builders. Because while we are actively getting out the vote, bringing changes, participating in vigils and marches, somebody else needs the chair. And then there are times where we all need to come together, bring our chairs, sit around, just feel the moment with love and hope and peace and joy, catch our breaths together as a community who fights together, who mourns together, who votes together, who loves together who remembers together. Remember the chairs. Be a chair builder. Be a person who has the courage to stand up for what you believe in and do what you know is right. But take those moments where you sit in the chair. The safe chair. The chair that brings hope and love and encouragement. Catch your breath. Rest. You know you're going to get back up. You know this fight is worth it to you. You know you're not throwing in the towel for what is right. But you're taking care of you. You are worthy to be taken care of. You are worthy to take a moment to be loved and to find peace and to find healing on your own also. When you are strong, be a cheer builder and a bench builder for somebody else coming behind you in this fight, for somebody else who is just coming to court for the first time, for somebody who's coming to their pride march for the first time, for somebody who just came out to their family for the first time, for somebody who is struggling with racism and fighting in their community to bring change. Be a cheer builder, a bench builder. Stop all types of racism, all types of inequalities, all types of violence. Those are the two things that we need in life, the courage to pick up the fight, to vote, to post, to talk, to educate, to stand with somebody, and to build the chairs, and to know when it's our time to bring personal healing when we sit in a chair, whether we're weeping or laughing or just holding on for a minute. I hope this has been meaningful to you. That, that story is, is one of the ones that I've written that is touching to me. So I, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I hope you come back soon for my next episode of my Look to See Me podcast. While you're there, you can uh, check out the, my Zazzle store, Look to See Me Zazzle store. I've got some of my poetry, still building it a little bit, but have a Look to See Me mug and Look to See Me sweatshirt and a planner with one of my original poems on it. So stop by there, stop by my looktoseeme.com website also, and have a wonderful week. Know that you are loved. You are worthy. You are amazing. <laughs>